Your Bibles, please, to the book of Colossians, chapter number 3. Colossians, chapter number 3. Two verses, in fact, there are several that we'll look at later, but uh, two verses in particular that I want us to focus on tonight. Verse number 23, And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord, and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. When I pastored in Cincinnati, what, 37 years ago, actually started 47 years ago, and uh, during that time I was uh, more of a b baseball fan than I am now, and uh, my allegiance had shifted from from the St. Louis Cardinals in Missouri to the Cincinnati Reds, who had a great team during that time, a lot of really great players. And so I became a, uh, a fan of uh, the Cincinnati Reds. Had a lot of great players during that time. But I want to mention just two. One was named Pete Rose, his nickname was Charlie Hustle because he played full out, full tilt, never let up. And uh, I think I, most so-called experts in baseball would say that he was a man that played beyond his ability. I mean, he, he was kind of short and kind of chubby and uh, still he could run fast and he could just do it all and did. Uh, amazing. The other that comes to mind was a left fielder by the name of George Foster. Man, he, he hit a lot of home runs, had all kinds of talent. Uh, it was just one problem with him, and that is on the field, he loafed. I, I, I've seen him, you know, fly a ball out there. And he would loaf just trotting over to it and then not get to it or get off to the tip of his glove or something like that. And uh, there's one reason why Pete Rose became the great ball player that he was, even though he blew it and lost his chance at the Hall of Fame by gambling later on. That doesn't take away from the fact that as far as playing ball, he was an all-star every year. But there's one factor that made the difference. And it wasn't the speed, it wasn't the ability, it was passion. And that's what I want to speak tonight about, the power of passion. And I want you to notice again here in our text, that he says in verse number 23, And whatsoever ye do. Now that's the scope of our passion. That, that's looking at the big picture, whatsoever ye do. Many years ago, Lord Melbourne over in England was meeting with the Parliament discussing some issues, and it broke out into a lively debate. And he made this comment. He said, things have come to a pretty pass whenever religion has to affect our daily lives. <laughs> that almost sounds like some modern preachers today, you know, that that it was a shame that uh, religion has to affect our life daily. 
and the whole, the whole idea is that there's a lot of folks that, foolish folks, that feel the same way. They think that life ought to be divided up into the sacred and into the secular. But when it comes to being a child of God, all ground is holy ground. Wherever we are, whatever we do, and that's what he says, whatsoever ye do. Everything, in other words, ought to be regulated by divine principles. Remember over in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, he tells us there, whatsoever, whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do it all to the glory of God. So that's on the job, that's at school, that's wherever we are. We are to, we are to do it all for the glory of God. Look back at verse 22 here because uh, notice that Paul, who Paul was speaking to. Now, he says, servants, Obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. He's speaking to servants. Now understand, these are Christians. These are members of the church at Colossae, but he's speaking to them. And I'll address that here in a few minutes. The servants, you know that had to be, that had to be a difficult situation did it not to have, I mean, have your, your boss and the workers and servants, members of the same church? No wonder Paul said so much about loving one another and getting along with one another and what have you, because this, this could be a real issue if pride was involved in any way whatsoever. Harry Arnside said many years ago, he pastored the Moody Memorial Church uh, in Illinois, and he spoke about the maid. And someone asked her, how can you be so sure that you've really been saved? How do you know that, that what you've got is real, that you'll go to heaven if you die? She said, I know it's real because now I sweep under the rug. I sweep under the rugs now. Before, she did like... Uh, I guess like if I'm sweeping the floor, I, you know, I, I know I'm supposed to lift up one edge and get it under the rug, but it's a whole lot easier just to go down the edge of the rug. Who sees what's under it, you know, uh, other than Beth. She can see under the rug. But the point is, this maid is expressing the fact that becoming a Christian totally changed her attitude and her, her behavior. She learned something that a lot of folks have never learned yet, that when you trust Christ as your Savior, it affects every area of your life. And we need to give careful consideration to everything God tells us to do. You know, it's easy for us to talk about being a Bible believer. Well, I'm a Bible-believing Baptist. But the problem is so many people just believe certain sections of the Scripture. You know, there are other, they're kind of cafeteria style. Whenever they read their Bible, it's like going through the cafeteria. You like this, so you take it. You don't like that, so you leave it, you know. That's not what God intended. His Word, the entirety of His Word, is meant for each and every one of us. Whether you're reading from the Old Testament or the New Testament, there's a message in it for all of us. So understand that when we talk about the strength, the power of passion, that it has to do with everything in our life. When you get up and go to work in the morning or wherever you might go, uh, this command goes right along with you. But notice the strength of it in verse 23. 
Do it heartily. Whatsoever ye do, do it heartily. Now that's simple enough that a, a, a child can understand that, right? But the fact is, a lot of people never get the message. And again, they call themselves Bible believers, but they really don't believe all of the Bible, evidently, because he says, whatever you do, you, you do it with all of your might. That is the strength of passion. Uh, the problem is today that too many people that are just half-heartedly going through the motions. And uh, it can happen to churches. A lot of times it's a slow process, but eventually it happens. Turn over into Re in Revelation chapter number 2. I love teaching about these messages to the seven churches there in Asia Minor, but here the first one is the one that really gets my attention. Under the angel, that is the messenger of the church at Ephesus, these things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience. I've preached in revival meetings so many times from these very verses. And I want you to notice all of the good things that we see about them. I know thy works. That's the expenditure of energy. But, but he said, and also thy labor, that is work to exhaustion. So they're going beyond just enough to get by. They're going the extra mile. I know about your works. I know about your labor and thy patience. Oh boy, that's a good virtue if ever there was one. He said, I know all about that and how you cannot bear them which are evil. And if you read on, you'll see they even practice church discipline. I mean, they're not going to tolerate sin in the camp. And so he got all these good things. Verse 3, and has borne and has patience and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. Now, still in the race, you haven't given up. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. And if that was to happen, that candlestick represents the Spirit of God being removed from that church and that church is no longer a church it's an organization a social club whatever you want to call it but they're out of business if that happens and he says in spite of all of the good things i've got something against you you've left your first love i think it's interesting to notice that he didn't say you lost your first love he didn't say you you you, now you love something else more, but you've left your first love. The first love, of course, was Christ, and you've left that. In other words, you have allowed something else to occupy your mind. Something else has taken the place of Christ in your affections. You've become cold and calloused and so forth. Not as expressive, no longer expressive of their love like they used to be. Here's the interesting thing. I want you to notice the last verse of Ephesians. That's where we've been studying. Ephesians in chapter number 6. And notice the last verse as Paul closes out. Remember, been speaking to them about spiritual warfare. 
And he closes by saying the salutation by the hand of me, Paul. Remember, well, I'm, in the, I'm still in Colossians. Verse 24, chapter 6. Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus. And here it is, in sincerity. Amen. In sincerity. Blessed be all of those that love the Lord Jesus but in sincerity. And, and that connects with what he's saying here to the Church of Colossae. Whatever you do, you do it heartily. I mean, that's sincerity to the degree, you know. That's putting everything you've got into it. And the very thing that he warned them about at Ephesus came true. That's what Paul was concerned about. Love the Lord in sincerity. And now here is John out there on that remote island, and he's writing much later, and he's writing this letter to be sent to the church at Ephesus. And they have failed in the very thing that Paul was deeply concerned about. You know, there are too many times that we make the assumption that it couldn't ever happen to me, or it couldn't ever happen to us as a church. We would never allow that to happen, but it does. Over time, if we're not careful, it can happen to us, it can happen to the church. And those that God abused the most during history are those who were amazing examples of what it means to put all of your heart into doing what you do for the Lord. It, it do you, if you haven't, it would do you so good to read the biographies and, or autobiographies of of the famous missionaries, Livingston, for example, and just so, so many that when I was a young preacher, as I've said before, one of the first things I did was start going through all of the used bookstores, trying to find cheap books or any books about missionaries, about famous preachers. I wanted to learn all I could, and I don't think anything inspired me so much as reading their stories. William Carey, David Livingston and so forth, and you read what they went through, the price they paid, it was just absolutely amazing. And you look at that in the light of the Christianity of the day that you're living, and you wonder, what's wrong? What's wrong with Christians today? Why is it that we don't see people making the same kind of sacrifices that those great missionaries made back in their day? It's because of the strength of their passion. Whatever they did, they did it heartily. Now, notice he also gives us not only the, shows us the strength, but the secret of it, verse 23, as to the Lord. How we do what we do is a reflection on what we think about Christ. In other words, it reflects and shows others how we value Christ, how much value we attach to Him the degree of our love for Him. And when it's not what it ought to be, others have a tendency to judge Christ on the basis of what they see in professing Christians. And sometimes that's a real ugly picture. It was Gandhi who said, I would have become a Christian had it not been for Christians. Think about how it might have changed India if he had become a Christian. 
as to the Lord. You do it not because, of, not because the pastor is saying, hey, we need somebody to do this or that. And, you know, ministries like that don't ever really last very long. It's when someone comes to you with a broken heart and they see a need and they want to get involved. That's when it works. It's not whenever you... I've, I've got a page in, in one of my personal notebooks that is filled with past ministries that we've started in the years that I've been here that we no longer do. Something happened, started out good, went along fine, but now it's by the wayside. I'm so thankful that Seth and a few others that have been helping him getting back to door to door visitation as we used to call it soul winning going out here in the community he does that every saturday after after our timothy team meeting he hits the road goes out hands out tracks if you don't do anything but leave a track that tells people how to be saved god can use that in fact whenever god sees us doing the best we can at what we're doing whatever it is he has a way of blessing us, and it may, may not appear that it's because of what we did, but He blesses us in such a way that He gets all the glory from it. You know, of all the people that Seth might come into contact with, none of them might come, but somebody will. Seth can't take any credit for it in that sense because he was doing it as unto the Lord. And just knowing that that He gave all for us, all to motivate us to give our all to Him. Galatians 1 and verse 10. Paul says, For do I now persuade men or God? Question mark there. Do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. You see, it's that desire to please Christ, not man, that motivates us. And when we think about God's servants and that we belong to Him, He paid the price for us. He redeemed us out of the slave market of sin. We belong to Him. We no longer have any right to dictate how we're going to spend our life or to we do all we do as unto the Lord. He's our motivation. We shouldn't need any other motivation than that. A lot of times, you know, we base our motivation on whether it appears to be successful or not because a lot of people have done what Seth is doing and go at it for a while and they don't see any results. And you get discouraged. I remember when it happened to me after I became a Christian. We had Saturday... Uh, uh, visitation for the for the bus ministry I had one bus I went out on that Thursday night was regular church visitation I went out on that you meet all these different kind of people some rude some really nice people come in have a cup of coffee and a piece of pie and well they're just so nice you speak to them about the Lord and you encourage them at least come to church a lot of them will lie to you oh we'll probably be there Sunday anything you know gets you out of the door then and, and Sunday comes around and they're not there. He gets so discouraging. And what we have to remember is what we're doing. 
even though it doesn't get anyone's attention. I don't know of anybody. I, I know people have said some kind words uh, uh, to Brother David and leading the music and our musicians and uh, those of you that sing special music. I'm sure people have said, man, I really enjoyed that song. I don't know of anybody. Maybe they have, but I don't know if anybody's walked back there to Bubba and said, boy, we really appreciate what you do. That doesn't get any attention. Or somebody working in the nursery or somewhere out of sight. Uh, and that's when we have to remember, I'm not doing this for attention. I'm not doing this for praise. I'm doing this because it's for the Lord. Amen. That's why it's crucial. And some of you are going to be thinking, now here we go again. It's crucial that we keep looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of the faith. I don't know about you, but I want to spend my life looking unto Jesus because I'm going to spend eternity looking at Jesus. Amen? And looking at Him, I want to know that I've given my best. I want to hear Him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I have no desire to be famous. I have no desire to be rich as the world measure riches or anything. I just want to be faithful to the Lord. That, that, that would be our heart's desire. And the only way that we can overcome that discouragement that we all face at times is to keep looking unto Jesus. The very next verse, Hebrews 12, 3, says, Consider Him. Consider Him. And He tells you why. Lest you grow weary and faint. You throw in the towel. You've come to the conclusion that what I'm doing doesn't really matter. Nobody appreciates it. Uh, I don't see any results from it. I don't see any evidence that the pastor really cares. It's easy to throw in the towel unless you're looking unto Jesus and you're being reminded here. Do what you do, whatever it is. Do it heartily as to the Lord. And look at verse 24, these three words, this shows the source of the passion. He says, the Lord Christ. You know, if Christ really truly means all to you, you ought to give all to Him. Our lives ought to be filled with passion. And uh, if it is, we don't have to be concerned about boredom. Sometimes people say, you know, I'm just bored with life. I, I can understand that to some degree. There are those that, in nursing homes, there are those that are sick, they're unable to get up and get out and move about and do things that they, they would enjoy doing. And if we keep looking unto Jesus and realize that God has a purpose and God has a plan, I, the other day I walked in and Bev had heard something and she was so excited about it. And then as the day or two later, we was talking about her speaking to people there at the Dallas place where she goes and speaking to, to them and God using her in that way. God doesn't expect her to go in there and bring a great big old family Bible and open it up and preach to everybody in there. 
but God can use her as a witness in there. In other words, there's a purpose for her. And whatever, whatever state of mind you're in, whatever conditions that you're going through right now, and believe me, there's people going through some really tough stuff right now. Whatever it is, if you don't keep your focus on Christ and be mindful of the fact that He is the source of the passion, you're not going to find that kind of passion anywhere else. You know, it's, it's so amazing how people can get so passionate about different things. It might be a hobby. It might be a entertainment or whatever it is. But, but then when it comes to the Lord, it's like there's no passion at all. Amen. Apathy. Just that attitude of, one fellow, someone asked him what it was. He said, I don't know and I don't care. Well, that's what it is right there. That's the definition for it. But we give all to him when he means all to us. And yet there are those that name the name of Christ without ever giving him half of what they should Remember, the Lord told us to go, what, the extra mile. If any man can pay you to go a mile, he said, what, go the extra mile, take the second mile. We ought to be second mile Christians, going above and beyond what, what anybody expects, going above and beyond what we're required to do. It's giving our all. This attitude, well, that, that's good enough isn't ever good enough when it comes to the things of the Lord, you know. That's good enough. Well, it's not good enough for the Lord until we've given Him all we, all we can. Right. Vernon Grounds died many years ago, but I can remember when he was alive, and I loved to listen to Vernon Grounds, and he wrote a few books, I think. But he said this, he says, does your work seem like a waste of time? Imagine what life would be like if nobody bothered to do the job you do. Consider your office to be a sanctuary, your home a place of ministry. Then perform your duty as if you are doing it for Jesus himself. After all, he's the one you're really serving. I copied that down years ago and it's so meaningful. I remember my pastor, the only pastor I've ever had, and he was preaching about letting God use you, doing whatever you can in the church, the importance of every member being used in some, some way. And I'll never forget, he took his handkerchief out, and we had those old-timey panel walls, you know, that uh, it's not popular anymore. And he went back there and found a knot hole, and he said, if God called me to be the knot hole polisher of the church, and he started rubbing on that. He said, I would be the best knot hole polisher this church has ever seen. And that has stuck with me. That's the way we ought to feel about whatever it is that we're doing for the Lord. If uh, those that sing, somebody, uh, the death knell to, to the, somebody singing special music is to get up and say, well, Y'all pray for me. I haven't had time to practice, you know. Well, go home and practice and come back next week and sing it after you've practiced. 
That'd be like Brother Preston and I say, y'all pray for me. I don't know what I'm going to preach now. I'm just going to wing it. I'm going to depend on the Lord. I haven't studied in the last month. Look, we're not prophets. We don't get our messages like the prophets did. They didn't have to study like we do. I mean, they studied the Old Testament, but they didn't have to study like we do. When God gave them a message, sometimes they didn't even know what it really meant. They didn't understand it themselves. God just said, here, tell them this. This is the message I want you to give. And they did. You see, a lot of times we have to do things for the Lord that we don't, we don't understand what it's all about. He, God just says, do it. And that ought to be our attitude. You see, motive matters to God. It's not just what we do, but it's why we do it that matters to God. Look at verse number 17, and this gives us, I think, a good turning point for the conclusion. And whatsoever ye do, whoa, that's kind of what he's been saying, right? Whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Notice each phrase there, whatsoever ye do, that there's... No exceptions, There's, that includes everything. And keep in mind, as he did in his letter to the Ephesians, he does here in the letter to the Colossians, if you'll look at those verses in between what I've read, you'll notice he addressed the husbands, the wives, parents, children, servants, masters. He covers the whole gamut of people that make up that body there. Whatsoever ye do, they all had certain responsibilities that they were supposed to do. Whatsoever ye do. It might have been the servant thought, you know, I'm sick and tired of working for this guy. The pay's not good enough. I don't like what I'm doing. Paul says, do it heartily as unto the Lord. You don't have to like what you're doing. I... Uh, you know, in fact, there was a time when some teacher started teaching children, you know, find a job you like. Don't, don't go to work doing something that you don't enjoy. Find something you'll enjoy the rest of your life. What are you talking about? You work because you, you need the money so you can buy the groceries. It's, not, it's wonderful if you can get a job that you enjoy. That's great. That's, you know, that's icing on a cake. But sometimes you've got to take what you get. That's the kind of people he's talking to, the servants. He said, whatever you do, you do it as unto the Lord. He's speaking to the wives. Can you imagine how difficult it must be for some wives to submit themselves to husbands that are just a jerk? Because some of us are just jerks. And yet the Bible says, whatever you do, do it as though you're doing it to the Lord. The kids, the parents, all of them. Notice in word and deed. My translation of that is in lip and life. You know, whatever you're saying, the words matter to the Lord or whether it's the works, whatever it is, it matters to the Lord. Whatsoever you do, whether it's in word or whether it's in deed, and do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. That simply means by His authority, and his approval. Remember the verse there in Philippians this morning. 
where God works in you both to will and to do. He doesn't just give you the desire to do it. He gives you the energy, the power, the strength to get it done. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then he closes by saying, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. I, I don't know what could be more of a mighty motivator than gratitude. It produces passion in our life because we're made to appreciate what God has done for us and that's when we're willing to do whatever He commands. There's a lot of things about modern day Christianity that's far different than it used to be, different than it ought to be and some of that is is a lack of passion. That, that's surely got to be somewhere near the top of the list. I'm talking about our passion for those that are lost. You know, sometimes I, I can't help it, but I, I, you know, our life goes through different stages, different experiences. Sometimes it's easy to cry, and it seems like sometimes there's nothing that'll make you cry. And you hear about someone that's lost, and you think, why? Hell is real. And you wonder, why no tears? No compassion for others that are going through deep, dark problems in their life. Emotions are a strange thing. The worst thing we can do is fake them, by the way. Whether it's joy, whether it's tears, whatever, whatever it is, there can still be that passion to do what the Lord wants us to do, whether you're crying or whether you're shouting hallelujah. And then what about, you know, our passion just simply for the glory of God? I never will forget I was in this building, it's been several years ago, and I preached that morning about uh, living for the glory of God, and I'll never forget a man who was very special in my life, and he came up to me afterwards, and he's crying over that very fact that it's so easy for us to lose sight that what we do is to be done for God's glory. And we must never forget that. We do it for His glory. You can get people to do almost anything if they get attention and praise for it. But we ought to do whatever we do in order to glorify Him. We ought to be passionate about the matter of, of holiness. The list can go on and on. Truth. Growing in the likeness of Christ. We ought to be passionate about that. Righteousness. Well, that takes us back where we left off this morning. That breastplate of righteousness. We ought to be passionate about that, that we live a righteous life. Why? Well, for the reasons I mentioned this morning, your welfare depends upon that kind of life. I'll end with this quote from one of the most famous missionaries that ever lived, David Brainerd, a missionary to the American Indians. Didn't live long. But boy, did 
he put a lifetime into the living. You ought to read the diary of David Brainerd sometime. Here's a statement that he made. Ardent love or desire introduced as passionately longing to please and glorify the divine being to be in every respect conformed to him and in that way to enjoy him. That's more profound than it might seem. In everything here, he's talking about this ardent, passionate longing to please God in every respect conformed to him. But notice, and to enjoy him. A lot of times we don't think about the importance of enjoying God. We, we think about it as a, well, I got, I got to go to church. You know, it's Sunday, got to go. Wednesday night, well, I, you know, I, I got to be there. Somebody be talking about me. And so we just do it because we feel like we got to do it. And we don't even enjoy what we have. I, I've noticed in reading about the different missionaries that those that gave the most enjoyed God the most. And as Christians, when we worship the Lord, and I know we're all different. I don't want no one to understand, misunderstand this. Because some people think, you know, you've got to run and jump and shout and fall over in the floor and roll around if you're really in the Spirit and stuff. Different people's different. But boy, if you can't enjoy hearing the pure, plain, simple gospel of Christ, that God loved us in that while we were yet sinners, that He died for us, He gave Himself. That ought, to, that ought to bring an attitude not only of, of appreciation for the greatness of God, but something that we enjoy to think that we have a God like that. Amen? In reality, man doesn't lack for passion. He's just got it misplaced. Passion, people are passionate about a lot of things. Go to a football game or a baseball game, they'll throw beer all over you. Somebody's liable to punch you in the face. I mean, they get passionate about it. Boy, I mean, they are all out into it. And then they come to church and sit like a wooden Indian. Just no, no joy. Maybe, maybe not even sing. And believe me, I, when I'm sitting up here, I do not ever intentionally look out there to see who's singing and who's not. Sometimes you just can't miss it, though. And there might be a reason. Some people are on medication, and uh, you might think they're asleep, and they're not. I want to give you every benefit of the doubt, but I'm telling you what... We ought to be so passionate about the Lord that it brings a joy to us that we can't find anywhere else. Whatsoever you do, and I pray when you leave here tonight that it'll be with a desire for that kind of passion in serving the Lord, in living for the Lord. Wherever you go, let, let it show through to others. And if you do, God will bless you for it. He tells us that
that we'll be rewarded for it. Notice the last verse that I didn't read. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done. And there's no respect of persons. We reap what we sow. And in our relationship with the Lord, we reap what we sow. And we gain the most when we give him the most, when we give him our all. How about we just all, each one tonight personally, determine in heart, that's what I, I want to do. I want to be passionate about living for Jesus. Let's all stand together. Brother David, if you'll come, we're going to sing a verse of invitation. You never know what might be on someone's heart. Might be someone has a heavy burden and they just, maybe they just want to pray or maybe, maybe they just want someone to pray with. They got a need in their life or whatever it is. Or maybe someone, God's speaking to you about something entirely different. Father, we thank you for your word and the change that it makes in our, in our attitude and in our life. The fact that it reminds us of the standard by which we're to conduct ourselves. Not only that, but Lord, it's a reminder of the, of the power that it has to completely change us. Even when we sit and we read without us ever realizing as the word of God, that living word goes within our heart, it produces a change, a transforming effect in our life. Thank you for that. Have your will in each of our lives here tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. While we sing. Page While we sing, you just want to come and pray, you help yourself. God can help us when nobody else can, when nobody else will, God can. you what let's do let's uh, let's take a, just a few minutes to uh, see if someone maybe has a testimony and brother David reminded me uh, at the end of the service vacation Bible school presentation from slideshow at the end of service vacation Bible school presentation oh all right so at the end of the service, uh, for those that you say you want to watch it twice,
Oh, oh, all right, great. Amen. And it's online too, right? We've got it online. I mean, yeah, but we, okay, I think I got that. All right. But maybe somebody just a quick uh, prayer request that was something we don't know about or an update on some something that we do know or maybe somebody's just got a testimony. I, I, I don't know. Anyone? Seth? I've been uh, working at my place, uh, my job, and uh, I've just been giving my sacrifice and praise to the Lord. And I've just been praising him as I've uh, been uh, working and doing it for his glory. Um, and there's been people that have been noticing me um, and actually kind of made fun of me. Um, but they notice me, and they can see that there's a realness inside of me, and they've even asked me to pray for them. Amen. Um, and also, I was able to give like 20 plus more gospel tracts at my work as well. Amen. Awesome. That's fantastic. Anybody else? Anybody? All minds clear? Last chance. Is that Ethan I see back there? Believe me, if I don't have my glasses on, I can't tell. I see Michael then. Michael, would you close our service in prayer, sir? Yes, 